Day 12, posted August 14, 2002, 12.29 a.m. Girlfriend Day. As I was driving to the studio, reflecting on yesterday's productivity, I had a very disturbing realization. Although we were making takes and progressing with the session, the band members seemed unfazed by such events. There was no excitement, no giddiness, no enthusiasm. It was like making takes with a bunch of robots. If the band is a bunch of robots, then Paul Yor. certainly the king of all robots with his monotone yeah yeah i guess that's all right i guess it's all right or if he got really excited he'd say that's good enough i guess that's good enough i guess i wasn't holding much hope out for eeyore but i was hopeful that when we made a little more progress the level of enthusiasm would elevate considerably perhaps even i was guilty of guarded enthusiasm yesterday That would have certainly been understandable after the two-week debacle we have endured thus far. When I spoke to Willie this morning, he'd made an interesting decision. He was going to hire some hotshot radar editor from Nashville to come in and edit takes while we kept recording. I didn't even know there was such a thing as a hotshot radar editor. Editing on the radar is a piece of cake. Do we really need a hotshot... I could just imagine dude punching keys at lightning speed as one uses designated macro keys on a radar as opposed to using a mouse. Perhaps our hotshot radar editor came of age when Commodore 64s were all the rage, giving him a distinct advantage over younger radar editors who are likely hindered by the lack of a mouse. Since when was Willie, the consummate Luddite's Luddite, willing to transfer the drums to digital format and edit them there. Granted, the radar is probably the only digital multitrack machine in the history of such machines that I actually think sounds good, barring some serious hot-rodding. But that was quite a leap for Willie to make in such a short amount of time. Perhaps I had his ear and he trusted me now. I'm surprised at that. I said to Willie when he told me about the radar editing. Yeah, well, we need to get a move on with this session, and you've already demonstrated that the radar sounds great, so fuck it, he said as I could hear him sucking in heavily from what I assumed was the first fatty of the day. Indeed, I thought to myself. (laughs) I certainly didn't complain about this new development. Shit. I couldn't have been more delighted to be relinquishing editing duties to someone else. If Willie had been a producer that enjoyed Alcihad, the session would have been paying for an Alciha to be editing the tracks anyway. Besides, having one person editing while we continued recording would be a far more efficient way of working. Then Willie further enlightened me on the subject of his great turnabout. He told me about a friend of his who is a somewhat famous producer in Nashville, who suggested that we quit fucking around editing two-inch tape and transfer the takes to radar for editing and Willie's friend recommended his guy for the editing gig. Being that Willie actually described Dude as lightning fast, I've named him Fast Fingers McGillicuddy, sight unseen. Fast Fingers would be arriving tomorrow to start editing takes. 
Further, I learned in our conversation that Willie had taken home a couple of the takes of each song from the running dat. I keep a dat recorder rolling at all times during the course of a session. When the band is making takes, Lance's job is to mark an ID at the beginning of each take and log the ID number and its corresponding take number. That way, if Willie or I want to take home a CD of some takes, all Lance has to do is look at his notes and make the transfer. Running a DAT recorder at all times has the added advantage of allowing me to play back an idea or part that someone may have played accidentally but forgotten, and it could potentially provide interesting and fun interlude material for an album. Willie had confided in me, in our phone conversation this morning, that the takes really weren't up to par and that the band was severely lacking energy. This was not a surprise to me. After all, the band did have an obvious lack of enthusiasm yesterday. It's not that either of us is incapable of listening to a take go down and recognizing that it's not totally happening, but we're dealing in relative terms here. Our ability to listen to a take has been tainted with the comparisons of what we had previously recorded. In comparison to our first recording with the band, yesterday's takes were a marked improvement. Improvement was a step in the right direction. In cases like these, where the playing is so hideously atrocious, knowing for certain whether takes are going to pass muster often requires a day away from the tracks and sometimes requires actually editing them. Although the takes weren't happening, Willie felt that moving forward, as we have done, has been the right course of action. We could always go back and try to beat what we've recorded thus far. So long as there was improvement, Willie would allow the band to record takes and move on to the next song. Even with the news of the takes not being up to par, I was encouraged and upbeat on my way into the session. Perhaps the energy level would improve today. As I was driving to the studio, I had made a decision that I was going to be as upbeat and as positive as I possibly could. Sure, I'm always positive at the studio, but today was different. Today I was going to be the specimen of good vibes, positive thinking, and overly expressive enthusiasm. Perhaps my enthusiasm would be infectious and the band would start to play with excitement. Of course, no sooner had I arrived at the studio, convinced that I was somehow going to make a difference on the day's work, when I was instantly and completely deflated. There, at the table on the patio, sat two girls with Eeyore and Harmon. Girls in their own right certainly were not a bad thing, but these particular girls had two strikes against them. They were at a recording session in which there were no girls, and they looked suspiciously like girlfriends. A terrible, horrible feeling overcame me. These guys didn't actually bring their girlfriends to the session. Did they? Hi. How's it going? I said coolly as I hobbled to the table at which the crew was sitting. I stood there with what I'm sure was an awkward little smile, waiting anxiously for an introduction, which I didn't actually have the patience to wait for. My name is Mixerman, I said like a heathen, holding out my hand, as if making an effort to show that I came in peace. Heathen or not, sometimes my insight and ability to recognize a situation scares me. They were girlfriends. What I wanted to do was cry, No! over and over again as I slammed my forehead against the brick wall outside the studio. 
but I figured that would have been too revealing of my thoughts on this subject, so I smiled and welcomed our newfound intruders instead. How could these guys be this stupid? One should never bring one's girlfriend to a session. It's like the first rule of recording. I think they teach this in kindergarten. Even my children know you don't bring your girlfriend to the studio. Guys don't act like themselves when their girlfriends are there. They get distracted. The girls get upset because the guys aren't paying attention to them. And then the guys get all pissed off because the girls don't understand that they're making a record. Then what typically happens is the girls split. The guys get pissed and it's a fucking fiasco every time. My only hope was that the girlfriends were planning to leave and go shopping together. I clung on to that hope like it was Barry Bonds' 73rd 2001 home run ball as I proceeded to the control room and prepared for the day's session. Willie walked into the control room and I gave him what must have been a maniacally horrified look as he entered because he actually asked if I was sick. Are you sick? They brought girlfriends. I blurted out in horror with no thought to how that must have sounded or looked for that matter. Willie chuckled. <laughs> I'm sure they'll be leaving soon. But they didn't leave soon. They stayed the whole day. And for what had been the briefest of moments yesterday, a decent, well-adjusted session would now be destroyed by the presence of alien intruders. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy working with women in studio situations. What I don't like is girlfriends or boyfriends in the studio. In fact, boyfriends are worse. There's just no room for that shit. Band members and artists have to be unencumbered and free to be themselves wholly. Girlfriends and boyfriends only serve to aggravate, for they don't recognize the boundaries of concentration and focus that go into the creative process of recording. It seems our visitors were intent on proving that my disdain for such things was warranted right from the start. The girls yucked it up on the couch in the back of the room while I was trying to get sounds. Anyone who has done any level of engineering at all knows it's very difficult to work while people are in the room talking. The only way to combat the noise is to turn up the volume of your monitors. However, the louder I turned up the volume, the louder the intruders would talk, until such a point that I was absolutely blasting the music, as the unwanted studio guests were yelling at the top of their lungs and looking at me as if I was doing something wrong. I'm sorry, but there really can't be any talking while I'm doing critical listening, I would say after muting the speakers. You're more than welcome to go into the lounge if you like. I'm sorry, we'll be quiet. They would respond, giggling, <laughs> as if making my life miserable was somehow humorous. Less than 30 seconds of silence would go by and the whispers would start again. The whispers would soon turn into talking and then yelling as the cycle would play itself out again and I would calmly ask them to shut the fuck up in as pleasant a way as I could muster. Perhaps too pleasant a way. Round and round we'd go in an endless cycle. At one point, one of the girls realized that I could magically communicate with the boys by pushing a button and just talking and the other decided it would be cute for her to talk to Eeyore. In an elongated and exaggerated fashion, with a light southern accent, much like the blonde factory worker character that pretended to get pregnant in the movie An Officer and a Gentleman, she screamed, Play louder, sexy! She made sure that she yelled directly into the push button, 
as if by some miracle, a solid piece of plastic with her thumb over it could somehow act as a microphone. Motherfucker! Please! You really can't be playing with the talkback button. We're trying to make a record here. I continued as I held out my hand in a gesture to demand return of the talkback remote control. Still, they wouldn't leave. I had thought for hours about what I could say to them to get them out of the room. Many scenarios had played in my head in short little daydream sequences as my brain attempted to come up with a reasonable solution to my problem. Get me a mic and set it up for the girls over there, I would say to Lance in one of my daydreams as I pointed to the back of the control room. Why are you setting up a mic? One of the girls would ask. So that I can record your singing, I would reply. But we're not singing! They would respond, hook, line, and sinker. Oh, right. Well, then how about you shut the fuck up? I would yell to their horror and dismay. That would get them out of the room anyway. Had this little vignette actually happened, it surely would have gotten me in hot water with Harmon, who wouldn't understand at all why I was yelling at his girlfriend. I would have possibly gotten myself fired, a thought that is not so unappealing right about now. Worse yet, I might have to hang out for weeks with a guy whose girlfriend wants me fired. Even if he could somehow forgive me and understand why I snapped, his girlfriend would make sure that he hated me by such torturous techniques as endlessly talking about the incident. Deciding that I perhaps wasn't the best candidate to ask the girls to leave at that particular moment, I decided it would be good if I let Willie act as the diplomat. I was at my wit's end where they were concerned, and one should try to get a disinterested party involved in such cases. Willie always seems to fill this role perfectly. Willie was great, because when I told him my problem, he poked his head in the door and held out a fatty and led the girls to the lounge, as if the fatty were a flute. Willie was the Pied Piper, and the girlfriends were rats. So as the crew smoked a fatty, Willie came up with the new rule that no one was allowed in the control room while we were working. Everyone was agreeable, as most people are when they're smoking fatties. Willie was quite tolerant of the fact that girlfriends were there. At one point, when the girls were in the lounge and we were making a take, Willie said we would just have to deal with the bitches for now. His word, not mine. The way Willie figured it, the girlfriends might actually make the boys play more inspired. This hasn't been my experience in studio life, and it certainly wasn't evidenced by the band's uncanny ability to play a 120-beat-per-minute lullaby. But who am I to argue with success? With the girlfriends now out of the control room, the remainder of the day went fairly smoothly. Much like yesterday, we recorded two songs today. Willie was working very hard with the band to try and bring up the inspiration in their playing. If I didn't know any better... I'd say the band and Cotton were starting to perform halfway decently by the end of the night. But I do know better. So much for being upbeat and positive. I guess there's always tomorrow. Mixer Man. <laughs>